0: yeah this is the rich eisen show Uh, goats have home lives too live from the rich eisen show studio in los angeles rich eisen
1: hello rich eisen rich eisen oh that's Susie eisen
0: (laughs) (laughs) the rich eisen show and now sitting in for rich here's brian weber
2: Rolling into our number two of the program, final show of the year. Great to have you with us, and you can be a part of the show. 1-844-204-RICH, 1-844-204-7424. You can also slide in, don't get into my DMs, you can slide into Twitter, B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs, a lot of me so far, and that's not a bad proposition, after all. I have a microphone and you will listen to me, but we'll break up the monotony, me droning on, bloviating on a big word Friday, coming up in 20 minutes. In addition to the NFL analysis, I'm about to jump right in with, we'll take you across the league with Jared Bell. He's been covering professional football for decades. Check out his fine work USA Today and then final hour of the program in our last block of content. I'm going to talk more college football in 40 minutes and then we'll revisit that coming up at 2.40 Eastern time. Getting you fully lined up for Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU when we check in with Matt Fortuna of The Athletic. Not surprisingly, as week 17 is underway, football dominating the first hour of the show, primarily NFL. I watched the majority of the Thursday night finale last night. Now, Michael sounded excited. I think maybe he said, man, I have gotten through the slog of this year going from the best games when he called Monday Night Football for years and then the best games when he called Sunday Night Football for years. Thursday Night Football is a different experience. Look, if I wanted to be more heavy-handed... And jump on the soapbox and deliver a soliloquy. I could make a strong case for the abolition of Thursday night football. And I thought I was going to be handed that material when we found out together yesterday when I was on the air that Josh Dobbs, of all people, signed off the practice roster. The practice, we're talking about practice squad, of the Lions last week Have been inserted into the starting lineup, but all we're looking for is a watchable game, and that game was more than competitive, in part because Dallas, a lot like Kansas City, has done at times this year. The old notion of playing with your food in a football context, playing down to the level of competition. So, just as we saw the Cowboys do it against Houston a few weeks ago, they let Tennessee hang around. Despite the fact that Tennessee was resting a myriad of starters and the Titans wound up dropping their sixth consecutive game, but it was largely meaningless because as we discussed in the tale, and I'm sure you realize watching that game, mathematically, Tennessee had nothing to play for. Winner take all next week against Jacksonville in Duval with the division title on the line. But from the Tennessee point of view, you found your starter for next week. And I don't think even if Tennessee sneaks into the playoffs by winning the division, we're going to see Ryan Tannehill again. Could be wrong. I was surprised when he was carted off the field against the Chargers with an ankle injury, he even was able to come back. But you take the shot, you get a painkiller, and things feel okay in the short term. Josh Dobbs was adequate. He was all right. He was fine. But that's a major upgrade over Malik Willis. And I'm not destroying Malik Willis, who's, A rookie, third-round pick out of Liberty. But if you watched a few of those games, Malik could do virtually nothing right. He looked overwhelmed. So that was clearly, in retrospect, the motivation to pick up Dobbs, who had bounced around the league after being a fourth-round pick, coincidentally, out of Tennessee. One of many players who were projected to compete to try to be the heir apparent to Ben Roethlisberger when he was selected by the Steelers in 2017. Didn't work out, but here's a guy— who's been on NFL rosters, who's been in meeting rooms, who's practiced, who's even played a handful of snaps in games that count, and he was not overwhelmed. In fact, played pretty well with the 232 passing yards, touchdown, and a pick. As for Dak, he created his own issues again with the three turnovers in the first half alone. That gives him five multi-interception games this year. Remember, he missed a bunch of games, five in all with the finger injury and 14 interceptions over the course of his abbreviated season. So if we're trying to figure out where Dallas belongs amongst the teams with a real chance of winning it all, comes down to how much you believe in Dak, and I think I believe in him more than a lot of you, although I just gave you all the numbers that you would need to say. My man, whoever you are, and I'm Brian Weber, in for Rich Eisen, final show of the year. We are live. We'll do it live, 52, 53. I'm trying to give you proof of life here that I'm authentically in the studio and not a chatbot robot. I'll be coming within a few years, and I'll be thoroughly unemployed. But Dak, to me, has the goods, has the body of work, has the weapons around him. CeeDee Lamb is the legitimate number one. We'll get Tony Pollard. We, woo, how about those Cowboys? We, as football fans, will get Tony Pollard back in the rotation after he rested last night. Zeke still reliable between the tackles. And more to the point, it's a Dallas defense I have a great deal of confidence in, which gets me to my issues with the Vikings. As we mentioned in passing in the first hour of the program, but I didn't have a chance to start crystallizing my thoughts on one of the more intriguing games coming up on Sunday. In all candor, there are some lousy matchups because remember, when the league tweaked the schedule a few years ago, everything next week is all division games. Oh, anything can happen when these division rivals get together. Still, foreshadowing that, there are a bunch of meaningless games and there's some sloppy games. How about Arizona-Atlanta? I'm not wasting our collective time together. But on the other end of the spectrum, you got Minnesota. Remember, they abused Green Bay to kick off the season against the Packers, who have suddenly found their way, albeit against inferior competition, beating teams they should have in the Bears and the Rams. And then they got a lot of help from Tuatunga-Vailoa. We did not know at the time. We came to find out he was dealing with head trauma. And back in concussion protocol and diagnosed with his second official concussion in addition to whatever happened to him against the Buffalo Bills four days before he went down with the head injury against the Bengals on Thursday night football. It's going to be a Green Bay team that has everything to play for against Minnesota still mathematically in the hunt to be the top seed game at Lambeau Field, meaning that Minnesota's high octane offense has to deal with the elements. I'm not saying that Kirk Cousins, for all of my issues with his overall body of work, I know the numbers are astronomical, but don't you think anybody with a legitimate NFL career could be getting the ball to Justin Jefferson and let him do the rest? If you haven't seen the numbers, Justin Jefferson still has an outside shot of getting to 2,000 receiving yards. Receivers don't win the MVP award. Jerry Rice, in my estimation, the greatest of all time. And on the short list of the best football players we've ever seen in NFL history, won the AP version of the MVP years ago. But it's a largely quarterback-driven award now with a handful of running backs. Still, the Minnesota offense has been absolutely sensational. The problem is the defense is giving up an abundance of points. All I need to tell you about the Minnesota issues, defensively, the liabilities. Remember what Mac Jones did against them? Going back to the last holiday cycle on Thanksgiving night, Mac Jones of all people looked like a Hall of Famer because the Minnesota defense has been sieve like. So I realize, Green Bay has a paucity, a limitation of weapons, although Christian Watson, according to reports, bouncing back from the injury that wiped out the second half last week on the road in South Florida, and he's emerged as the primary playmaker for Aaron Rodgers this year. I have my doubts about Green Bay on many levels, and I've moved from being an Aaron Rodgers fanboy, and you might recall I was here Just about this precise day a year ago, and I was still waving the pom-poms for Aaron Rodgers. He's lost me with the cuteness about immunization versus vaccination. And then he goes on the Pat McAfee show, and, and Pat is a media sensation, although he should clear his voice as well. If I can get Pat and Tony Romo just to throw in a lozenge, I'll be a happy listener, understanding their bank account is much more robust than mine. But when Rodgers goes on that show every week, it seems like he's just settling scores. Well, that's a personality assessment by yours truly. And I'm Brian Weber, in for Rich Eisen. Hit me up on Twitter, B.W. Weber. Weber with two Bs in 10 minutes. We say hello to Jared Bell, NFL columnist for USA Today. So Rodgers has lost me on that level. But I still appreciate his skill set. Here's how I parse things. I say Rodgers is the most skilled quarterback in my lifetime. I've been watching football that I can recall since 1975. I remember a little bit of Raiders, Vikings from the Pasadena, Rose Bowl, old man Willie Brown, and Chuck Foreman toting the rock for the Vikings. So Rodgers now, wherever he is physically, right? We've been talking about ailments that we didn't know about on the injury report, and then he's... Volunteering that information to the media. He now looks rejuvenated. They're in the hunt. And if you haven't looked at the schedule, beyond hosting Minnesota, I think they got a real shot at winning that game. They host the Lions. Now, the Lions had proven me wrong week by week with some very impressive ball and then. They reverted to being the Lions last week. One of the most embarrassing performances we've seen all year with everything to play for. They got punched in the face by the Carolina Panthers. So if we're looking towards the bottom rungs of the playoff picture in the NFC, remember with the additional wild card now, three wild cards we're guaranteed of a lousy team being part of that equation. And I'm not saying the Giants or The Commanders are quality teams, but at least in Washington's case, they're 500 with that tie against the Giants, and Giants have a winning record. Giants, to me, feel a lot like Minnesota with all of those close games. You knew when the Giants took on Minnesota last week, that was coming down to the final possession, right? Because every time, seemingly, Brian Dable's team has taken the field this year, something weird is going to happen in the fourth quarter, but the Giants aren't winning a playoff game. Washington, and I don't have a huge reaction to the move to Carson Wentz. I guess the Heineke magic ran out. Washington, while I respect Ron Rivera, and I'm rooting overtly for Dan Snyder simply to go away, Washington's not doing anything. I think the Packers could because somebody currently with a 7-8 record we're looking at, Seattle, Detroit, or Green Bay, could be a playoff team which is just bizarre, but we know, and I don't have to go through the whole body of work, it's not what your seating is, it's where you're at, what your level of play is, once we get to the tournament, the postseason, everything can change. So, fascinating time for Aaron Rodgers. If I'm trying to forecast how it goes, I, I can see the path for Green Bay right in front of them, And he could do some Rodgers-like things come playoff time. After that, what about next year for Aaron Rodgers? Does he want to hang around? Now, the pros would be he could do essentially whatever he wants to in Green Bay. They don't have a traditional owner. They have the cute store that makes us feel warm. Oh, they're publicly held. You can buy a piece of paper. That's meaningless, saying you're a shareholder of the Packers. But That also has the consequence of giving Rodgers virtually total autonomy. He was able to shake down the team for that big money deal he was looking for. Maybe, he figures, because I don't think he's going to be limping around at 45 like Brady is. And Brady is going to play next year. I'm going to address that before we're done. A lot more to get to, so hang with us. Rodgers feels like an old 39. Russell Wilson feels like an old 34 suddenly. And the reason I connect the two beyond Hall of Fame parallels, although Russ has more work to do, remember the King's ransom, all the draft capital that Seattle got in return from the Broncos, who have been abysmal. And if you're a Bronco fan, you would think intuitively, well, at least we're going to have a high draft pick. No, you're not. It's going to Seattle. Green Bay could surely do the exact same thing if Rodgers agreed to be traded, maybe he's had enough of the Green Bay experience. Maybe he realizes if he wants to secure his legacy all time, he needs another Super Bowl. Because when you win two, you're in an entirely different conversation. That second Super Bowl changed everything for Peyton Manning. And because the numbers now for everybody are going to be so insane, regular season. That means having postseason success in this era of everyone throwing the ball around the field so much, postseason success will stand out even more when we're looking at a time horizon of a decade or two. So if the goal of Aaron Rodgers is to get that second ring, don't lose sight of the fact he's only played in the one Super Bowl he won, and this will connect nicely to what I was watching last night with all of you, why not the Tennessee Titans, unless Brady Beats him there. I know Tannehill's got a year left on the deal. Everything can be massaged, as Derek Carr just found out. And that's because, unfortunately, his agent allowed him to sign a team-friendly contract. Effectively, a series of one-year deals. And the Raiders can move on, as they are, clearly, from Carr, with no financial implications after the Super Bowl. Titans, with a good defense, with an identity of Derek Henry. With an intense motivator of a coach in Mike Vrabel and a winnable division, why wouldn't Rodgers want to go there? Or Tom Brady? So, based on what we saw last night, with Tennessee still having a chance to make the postseason, if they're going to get there, it's going to be Josh Dobbs, I'm presuming, starting next week after he played well enough last night in defeat. Tennessee v. Jacksonville next week. Winner take all to win the division. Next year, who's their quarterback? Aaron Rodgers would love that city. He... Fancies himself a renaissance man. I think that is fascinating on a variety of levels. I'm Brian Weber, in for Rich. Coming up, we're going to talk more of the marquee matchups across the NFL. Coming up this weekend, best game of them all on Monday night, Bills and Bengals. Will that be a preview of the AFC Championship game? Looking forward to our latest conversation with Jared Bell, NFL conversation. List, and he is a columnist, but he's a tour as well. The reason I like to talk to Jared is he tells good stories. Check out his outstanding work for USA Today. I'm Brian Weber, in for Rich Eisen. Find the latest and greatest audio entertainment on Audible. It's got everything you want to hear, including The Rich Eisen Show. Along with podcasts, you'll find audiobooks and exclusive originals. We're talking comedy, sports stories, deep dives with athletes and entertainers, business, and anything else you're into. With Audible, you get access to thousands of included titles, with more added every week. Listen on the road, at the gym, or anywhere you want to fuel up your imagination. Join and get 30 days free at the home of storytelling, audible.com.
0: from over 2,700 brands and retailers. And right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 for just trying Ibotta by using the code ISEN when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use my code E I S E N. That's I B O T T A in the Google Play or App Store and use my code ISEN. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets
2: I'm Brian Weber, in for Rich, final program of the year on the Rich Eisen Show. Your voice can be heard, 1-844-204-RICH, 1-844-204-7424. Hit me up on Twitter, that's B.W. Weber. Weber with two Bs in 20 minutes. We make the move back to college football with the National Semifinals coming up tomorrow. Let's continue to talk NFL with... One of the best in our business, it's Jared Bell, NFL columnist for USA Today, who I'm told is in transit. Jared, I really appreciate you taking the time. How are you?
1: I'm pretty good, Brian. Happy New Year, man.
2: Happy New Year to you, and I hope we have a lot of great football to watch coming up this weekend. Let's go back to last night. I thought that game was much more competitive than I feared it might not be, given what we knew about Tennessee resting all their starters. So even though the Titans are in free fall and they've lost six straight, they still have the possibility to play their way into the postseason. If they can beat Jacksonville next week with the division title on the line, Jared, you presume that we saw enough from Josh Dobbs last night in his starting debut. He'll be the starter for Tennessee next week against the Jags.
1: I I think so. and, when Mike Vrabel was asked about it last night, he was noncommittal, committal Basically, said um, he'd go back and review the film, and they'd make a decision. But um, I, I do think Dobbs gave them a little bit of a spark. He saw some, you know, some big plays. You knew he was a guy who had spent some time in the league, so he, you know, he's got more experience than Malik Willis. And so I think he gives them their best chance. But even with that. I just have a hard time believing that the Titans are going to be able to just flick the switch next week when everybody comes back, as great right as Derrick Henry is, um, against a Jacksonville team that has been steadily building momentum. And so even if the Titans win that game, I mean, what do you what do you expect them to do in the playoffs, right? <laughs> so you wanted to, uh, so I, I'm not bullish on the Titans, but it is interesting. You think a year ago, Mike Vrabel, was the NFL's Coach of the Year, and now he's sitting on this losing streak. Now, yeah, you lose a quarterback, you lose, you trade away AJ Brown, and then Derrick Henry's out. So some circumstances, but yeah, like you you described a minute ago, it's been a definite free fall for them. But they did play with some, you know, some competitive juice last night
2: which is more than we've seen on a lot of Thursday night matchups talking NFL with Jared bell, check out his great work USA today. So let's jump over to the Cowboys, no style points, but they got it done. Jared. When I look objectively at the Cowboys, they have one of the most explosive offenses in all of football, Solid defense led by Mark Parsons, but I keep finding reasons to talk myself out of believing the Cowboys can win it all because of what I saw Mike McCarthy do with clock management at the end of the playoff game last week, or last year, rather, against the 49ers. So I'll turn it over to you. When you look at the Cowboys, is this team capable of winning a Super Bowl this year?
1: (laughs) You know, I like the way you put that. It's like sometimes you see them and they're explosive and all that. Um, so the ingredients are there, but you just cannot trust the Cowboys. Uh, remember that game back in November where they just clobbered the Vikings. I mean, I think it was forty to three or something like that. You know, that's their game tape. That's the one. That's their resume tape. Okay, we can play defense. We, we're explosive on offense. All of that. Um, you know, Dak Prescott um, has been under the usual scrutiny when you're the Cowboys quarterback, but also because of the turnover issues. And, you know, he had a fumble last night, two interceptions, one of which was not really his fault, um, just like the Jacksonville pick six that ended the game in overtime a a couple weeks ago. And so you've got to be concerned about that part of it because to have all those things you mentioned, you know, big plays on defense. The Cowboys, they they've entered the week, Brian, leading the NFL in turnover margin. And that's a credit to their defense because, like I said, Dak Prescott has thrown a career high now, 14 interceptions, and a career high in picks, and he missed five games. Mm -hmm. So that's not a good pattern for the Cowboys. And I think the thing, and Dak addressed it a bit last night after the game, it's like when you get to January and mid-January, the way the schedule, you know, playoff football, you can't afford those mistakes because those mistakes will be, you know, against a, a much better competition that will take advantage of those mistakes more often than not. And so um, the Cowboys have to play their best ball. And I don't know if if if, if they could do it. I really don't. Um, so we will see. But like you said, they, they definitely have some ingredients that make you believe that they can be a force.
2: Talking football with Jared Bell of USA Today. Jared, as we go through teams that have a legitimate resume, certainly you put Buffalo atop things and potentially the top seed in the AFC, Kansas City, with their postseason success. And what a remarkable game that was last year in the playoffs between the Bills and the Chiefs. But here comes Cincinnati team that made it to the Super Bowl last year and typically the following year it's a team that loses the Super Bowl that falls apart and this year it was the Rams after winning the title. Should we be talking about the Bengals more? They've won seven straight and we got that showdown between Cincinnati and Buffalo coming up on Monday night.
1: Yeah, I think that's gonna tell us a, a lot because both of those teams are going to want to win that game and, and for Cincinnati after that is Baltimore, oh, by the way. Um and so um I like Cincinnati, and I like what they've done. And we talk about Dallas and, and its explosive offense. Well, Cincinnati's offense is just as explosive, if not more, uh, because Joe Burrow gives them even a little bit more than, say, Dak Prescott gives the Cowboys. So, yeah, I like uh, Cincinnati. I, and and I, I guess what this tells us, Brian, when you talk about the Rams, you know, kind of collapsed their seasons, that maybe Cincinnati should have won the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and the Rams should not have, but um, just being facetious there, but the, but Cincinnati was right in that Super Bowl game. It could have could have gone either way down the stretch. Um, you know, of all the teams you just mentioned, Kansas City is one that just really impresses me because they have continued. You've got a great quarterback, obviously, and Andy Reid and Eric Ben. I mean, they know what they're doing um, in coaching that offense, but the, the thing about them is that they have managed to score thirty points a game without Tyreek Hill and with injuries to other key people along the way. You the running back, um, Edwards Hilaire and, and McCall Hartman and, and Juju Smith Schuster, they've all missed, you know, time and in fact, you know, the running back and, and I don't think McCall has been I'm not sure what his status is for this week, but he's been out for several weeks. And so that's the real impressive thing about the Chiefs is that they have been able to manage despite the setbacks. So we talked about the Titans a few minutes ago and how you know they've been you know stung by so many different um, injuries and stuff. Well, Kansas City's had injuries too, but you know as long as number fifteen's there <laughs> and eighty-seven, it seems like they're they're able to put people around them to get it done.
2: Let's wrap it up with the Raiders. What do you make of now, Derek Carr? And the silver and black parting ways, and what are some potential landing spots for Carr next season around the league?
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, it's 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 really a uh, you know a trip when you think about what's happened with Derek Carr and 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 the, and the Raiders. Um, you know, so when, when the news started coming out last week about them sitting him and and the um, implications with the contract, you know, you never want to hear that just because. You, you you just hope that regardless of all that, you just play to win every week. But I, you know that's not reality. Okay, you ask about landing spots, for, um, You know, go down the list. You'll you'll you know you can start with you know Carolina, and you can look at um, you know a few other places. I hadn't really thought about it. Too well, I guess
2: what yet. the Jets, yeah, too- maybe Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee. I would put
1: them on that list just because. You know, and, and you know what the interesting thing is. So Tennessee's got Malik, and the Jets have Zach Wilson, who I think they're going to move on from. Or, but, but these are these young quarterbacks that just need time, and that's the thing that is really disturbing about it. I mean, there are quarterbacks that come in to the league, and they're ready to go. Borough being a great example. They're ready to go right away. But a lot of these guys, I mean, the expectations for them to come in and be your guy – from you know, from year one or even year two, I think is a bit unrealistic as a as a general rule. Just because you drafted them in the first round or the first half of the first round um, doesn't mean that they're that guy. We know the premium on quarterbacks, so you're going to have to take a guy high most of the time if you if you really like them. But um, yeah, I, I would look at the, the um, secondary market as as being the the, the, the ticket for for those teams no doubt
2: jared always a pleasure i greatly appreciate you taking the time especially on a travel day travel safely happy holidays and look forward to chatting with you next year
1: okay thanks a lot brian take care
2: my pleasure yep. jared bell longtime nfl writer nfl columnist he is a great conversationalist as well kind enough to pull over jared was Motoring down the road, but he understands the importance of audio quality. And here's a transition since we're talking about automobiles at the National Football League. A reminder, you can listen to the NFL in the NFL app on the Odyssey app. On westwood1sports.com, via Westwood One Station Streams, or by asking Alexa to open Westwood One Sports, sponsored by AutoZone, the free AutoZone. Fix finder service can help troubleshoot the likely cause of your pesky check engine light for free and get you back on the road. Restrictions apply. Get in the zone. AutoZone. I'm Brian Weber, in for rich, still opportunities for you too. chime in. 1-844-204-RICH. 1-844-204-7424. I'll check the Twitter account coming up. And in our remaining, now I feel like the ball is going to drop coming up tomorrow night. In our remaining less than 90 minutes to get to, I am going to get back to college football. I made it an abbreviated block of college talk in the last hour. We'll go more in depth coming up. I want to explore the world of NIL and these bowl games, that's on the way. And in the final hour of the program, we will break the games down, going category by category, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, when we say hello to Matt Fortuna of The Athletic. And Jared, I think, said it well. We used to have a different level of expectations for young quarterbacks. Now, the, the Kansas City quote-unquote model, there's no model. Think about the good fortune to go from Alex Smith A good person willing to mentor Patrick Mahomes, and what a seamless transition that was. But I think everything changed in terms of a template of getting young quarterbacks on the field with Matt Ryan and Joe Flacco, who are still hanging around. And you got to have empathy now for Matt Ryan. 28 to three in the Super Bowl, 33 to nothing a few weeks ago. And the Colts had the worst meltdown in NFL history. But remember, they started from day one as rookies, and that really changed the entire way of doing business moving forward. And there's also the economic component, because rookie quarterback deals are far cheaper than what premier quarterbacks get paid or even just middle-of-the-road quarterbacks get paid on the second deal. While you have a player On the rookie quarterback deal, you got to maximize what you can do because it gives you much more flexibility to build around that young quarterback. We always hear about the trade-offs when a quarterback gets paid in the second deal. So that's why there's even more urgency for all these young dudes. Jared mentioned Zach Wilson not going to even dress coming up for the final two weeks of the regular season. Jets still in the mix And if you think Teddy Bridgewater cannot keep things going offensively for a Miami offense that's one of the most explosive in all of football with Waddle and Hill, that's a real opportunity for the Jets. Jets taking on Seattle on Sunday in the mighty Pacific Northwest. Seattle reverting to the mean. Geno Smith, although he is a pro bowler, is playing more like the Geno Smith we knew when he was on, for example, the Jets. That's a tough way to lose your job. I'm not going to get too in the I told you so category, but remember, neither a bar nor a bar B, neither a lender nor a bar B. Geno losing his job at the Jets when he got his jaw broken, allegedly over the $500 wager that he had yet to pay. But nice to see him bounce back. Always good to have redemption stories, but with the Jets now, Also in free fall, having lost four in a row, it's up to Mike White to keep the playoff hopes alive at seven and eight. And then the question becomes, who will guide the Jets next year? I think Jimmy Garoppolo makes the most sense, given his potential availability, whatever the Niners do in the postseason. And I'm not sure we're going to see Jimmy G again. Unless Brock Purdy somehow falls apart, I think it makes the most sense for Kyle Shanahan to stay with The steady play of a competitor we expected absolutely nothing of as Mr. Irrelevant. Jimmy G will be expendable again, whatever the Niners do in the playoffs. There's a relationship with Sala going back to their time together in San Francisco. I think Derek Carr is a better quarterback than Jimmy G. Jets believe they're a quarterback away and a quarterback who's not going to make bad decisions on and off the field. Now, Zach Wilson... You can critique body language, press conference, methodology, etiquette, not being accountable. The real problem is, statistically, he's having one of the worst seasons, or he was, past tense, we've seen since Jamarcus Russell. That's how bad it's been. But if you're talking about maybe having an extended run, I think Derek Carr has more years in front of him. Not just talking about where he's at in the chronology He's more of a playmaker than Jimmy G. There's still more of an upside, but we got to sort out a lot between now and then. Namely, can the Jets find a way to somehow break through and make it to the postseason? You can be a part of this program. 1-844-204-RICH 1-844-204-7424 About to check out the old Twitter feed Once more an hour from now We talk college football with Matt Fortuna Of The Athletic Getting you set for the National Semifinals Coming up tomorrow Next, I'm going to Head on campus Why are college football stars Not demanding more NIL money To play in these bowl games The ones that matter That's coming up. Always a delight to be in for Rich. I'm Brian Weber. It's the Rich Eisen Show.
0: Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people. Or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. unbelievable you will love it JD Power ranks Sleep Number number 1 in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store and now you could save 50% that's 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time for JD Power 2023 award information visit jdpower.com/awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com
2: I'm Brian Weber, in for Rich. We're getting closer to the final hour of the final program of the year. 1-844-204-RICH. one 204 7424 You can tweet at me during or after the program. Probably should be well established by how I handle my business. I do not have much of a life. So after this show, if you want to interact, you can tweet at me, B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs. Final hour of the program, mostly NFL. We'll kick it off in 15 minutes, going through more granular detail of the playoff picture in both the AFC and NFC. We'll follow it up with nothing says the holidays like who's getting fired across the NFL. Coaches that should be looking over their shoulder. And then in less than an hour, about 15 minutes from now, we're going to go in-depth on the national semifinals coming up in college football tomorrow when we say hello to Matt Fortuna of the Athletic. Five games today in college football. The Duke's Mayo Bowl monetizes and maximizes their sponsorship more than anybody else. So I have the game on Maryland and NC State. I've seen more Shots of people eating mayonnaise, and that is a grotesque image, and I'm not feeling great today, so I really shouldn't throw that into my head. But that is just a horrific visual. Still, the whole reason you write a check is to build brand awareness, followed by the Sun Bowl, Pit, UCLA, Gator Bowl, Notre Dame, South Carolina. South Carolina had a phenomenal year with Shane Beamer, Extending the legacy of the Beamer family. Ohio, Wyoming, that's the Dave Portnoy Barstool Bowl in Tucson. Orange Bowl, good one. Clemson relegated the playing on December 30th against Tennessee. Oh, Tennessee, your heart goes out to Hendon Hooker after he went down with a torn ACL against South Carolina. A magnificent year for Tennessee. Tennessee, Alabama, one of the most thrilling games I can recall over the last 10 years. And how about the job Josh Heupel is doing on Rocky Top? It all, though, is pointing to the national semifinals coming up tomorrow. So, terms of components of the games that stand out, you think about the career arc of Stetson Bennett, who's been vilified at times by the Georgia fan base and dealt with that scrutiny very well for... A guy who was a walk-on, who was relegated to the scout team. Nobody thinks he's got a burgeoning pro future in front of him. And because of the reality of the transfer portal, Georgia fans wanted every other quarterback coming off winning the national championship last year, other than the one who's got a chance to go back-to-back in this year, Georgia can be undefeated. Remember, Georgia lost to Alabama last year in the SEC title game, and they got redemption by winning the national championship game. This Georgia team does not have as much talent as last year's, but they can do what that team failed to do, namely win it all without losing a game. Ohio State. Loads of talent, but this is not fantasy football and going to be interesting. As we discussed with P. Futak from collegefootballnews.com yesterday, let's say the odds makers are right and Georgia applies a beatdown to Ohio State. That would mean the Buckeyes' last two games this year would have resulted in being demolished by Michigan and then being pushed around by Georgia. Ryan Day is fine. I'm not saying he's got any job security issues, but that fan base can be so delusional, they will be chanting, many of them, Urban Meyer's name in the streets of Columbus. I think a much more interesting wrinkle would be Ohio State-Michigan, and the rematch for the national championship. You might say, wouldn't it be the same thing in terms of outcome? No, let me lean over, dust off the fill-in handbook. You know this cliche, oh, it's hard to beat. Same team twice? Well, it's hard to do in the span of a couple months. Different setting. I realize that game was in Columbus, but I'm also just talking neutral site. More time to rectify the issues in the first matchup. But that wasn't even close between Ohio State and Michigan, which leads me to believe Georgia will assert themselves against the Buckeyes. Michigan, I think, will have their way against TCU. And we're going to get into... The nuances of the matchup, final out of the program with Matt Fortuna of The Athletic. I realize the loss of Blake Corum is significant for Michigan, but they have depth of the running back position, and TCU is a good team and a phenomenal story. This is Sonny Dykes, a football lifer, winding up as head coach and transforming the program instantly, but remember, they need the miracle comeback against Baylor. They lost to a good Kansas State team, but they lost in the Big 12 title game. I realized it was overtime. I'm just not as sold on TCU as others are. Understanding, they had tremendous strength of schedule. I'm not diminishing them. I'm just saying I think there's a real drop-off between Georgia, Michigan's right behind them. Then we go down to Ohio State and then TCU, rounding out the top four, irrespective of seeding. I'm just talking game control and the eyeball test. But everything has changed in college football. And you can argue not for the better. And I would agree. Now, my issues with college football, and hopefully it comes through. Look, I I could have done three hours of college today. I would not be back in the future because the NFL runs everything in the media landscape. But I love college football as much as I love the NFL. It was my introduction to the business. And I'm passionate about everything in the college sports space. That's what I focus on when I'm not here in terms of television play-by-play. Realignment has altered the experience of all of us because rivalries have been sacrificed for, you guessed it, more money. And NIL has really altered how the player-coach dynamic plays out, but I'm all for it. Now, here's the disclaimer. I'm speaking just for myself, none of my television employers. Still, I have an issue with, say, well, let's pick some names. Not Nick Saban, not Davo Sweeney. Hell, even Jimbo Fisher has an outstanding resume. But I got a real problem with an $85 million buyout for Jimbo Fisher. $85 million? It's not my money. I'm just talking about the optics. It's grotesque. Mel Tucker making $9 million at Michigan State. Stoops making $9 million at Kentucky. How many games did they win in the regular season? Six? So the imbalance financially is thoroughly out of whack, and I have no problems with marquee players getting whatever they can through NIL. In fact, if we believe in raw capitalism, right? Make every dollar you can. Shouldn't stars on these teams getting set for the national semifinals, shouldn't they say... All right, you want me to play in that Peach Bowl tomorrow? Show me the money. Cut me a check. Why not? Now, I I know why they wouldn't, because they're part of a team, and they don't want to let their teammates down. All right, well, isn't the CEO of your company part of a team? Are they letting you down? Well, they make 60 times what you make. Is that fair? Oh, they're they're, they're, they're much more valuable. Really? You're all part of the same team. So I think we've, and this is getting a little too esoteric, so I will rein it in. I think we have become so obsessed with making every dollar any way you can. Our values as a society are out of whack. But if that's now what we're doing overall, if that's the goal in every pursuit, and college sports is a big business, why aren't these young people following that blueprint, and making every dollar they can. I'm glad it hasn't happened, but I do think that I would have no issue with one of the four quarterbacks saying, I'm not playing tomorrow. Do it now. you got 24 hours. Leverage is great. Deadlines for action. If you want me to play in the Peach Bowl, write me a check for $100,000. If not, you get the backup. Imagine the outcry. But it would also point out the disparity. The folks who create the revenue are not fully participating. Yes, they're getting compensated now in form, but this is not revenue sharing. This is at the 11th hour, finally accepting. The system has been broken for over a century and much bigger changes are coming. And you better get used to it because the old days were not so good. In fact, they were morally bankrupt on a lot of levels. Well, I'm getting deep now. Good thing we are heading towards the end of our number two. We'll lighten the mood, talking much more NFL. Sorting out the particulars of the playoff picture in both the AFC and the NFC to start the last hour of the last show of the year. A lot of pressure on me. Let's see if I can step my game up. I'm Brian Weber. It's always an honor to be in for Rich. This is The Rich Eisen Show.